Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Um, The season is finally over. It's a massive relief to many Watford fans, everyone across Hertfordshire, that the final whistle has blown on Watford's Premier League campaign and it's finally ended after such uh, such a disaster season. It's just probably one of the worst I've ever seen if not the worst in Watford's history. I know there's debates about Dave Bassett's um, tenure at the club as well, and people saying that was one of the worst seasons as well. Um, but here to discuss about the season, uh, where Watford go from here next, is Mr Mike Duffy. He has returned. He's back on the voices of a Vic after an absence of maybe about three, four months. Um, so it's, mm. it's great to get him back on. And unfortunately for the people who are watching on YouTube, you get to see his face as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike, how are you doing, mate? And I'm so glad to see you back. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing really well, mate. Well, um, outside of football, I mean, um, obviously football has been absolutely diabolical. Um, but yeah, no, things are going great. Obviously, me and you met up for the first time since, I think it was the Everton game back in 2019. So, yeah, uh, it, it was ages. Uh, it was on your your stag do. So that was a, a good weekend had by all. Uh, and my last pod appearance was the sixth of March. I was on for the Arsenal three two home defeat because oh, I yeah. uh, managed to get to that one. But yeah, it's uh, it, that, that that was two months ago. So, but yeah, other than that, mate, everything's everything's going swimmingly. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to not you know, stressing about Watford every week now for a, a few months <laughs> and uh, got a few nice things planned coming up. Obviously, your wedding's coming up, go on holiday the yeah. week after. So, yeah, uh, all, all going swimmingly, thank you. How about yourself? Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, all good. Thanks for asking, mate. Like you say, wedding's fast approaching. 
three weeks this Saturday. I've been working on my speech tirelessly and uh-huh. reading it out like twice a day, nonstop. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it getting over. Like, I'm looking forward to the day, but I'm looking forward to the event being over and done with because it's just such a big thing to lead up to and lots of planning and stressing and yeah the stressing is starting to take its toll on me so I'm glad I don't have to stress about Watford now because um, it was a couple of things I was stressing about so now it's just a wedding get out of the way with me and I can enjoy the summer um, mm-hmm. but yeah it's great to have you back on mate so and like you say it was good to see you down on the stag do as well in Bournemouth and I'm looking forward to having a few drinks with you at the wedding as well but yeah we're here to discuss Watford's season I don't really know where it's where we start, Mike. Um, on paper or in your lifetime, worst Watford season you've ever witnessed? Um, in terms of players maybe not being good enough for the league we're in and not caring enough, yes. Um, I wouldn't say anything else because in my lifetime we've been in administration and we've been under the ownership of Lawrence Bassini so, uh, and, and Graham Simpson. So... Yeah, um, definitely in terms of players maybe not giving enough or not caring enough. Um, it's it's been horrendous. I think we started a little bit nervous because there was that whole thing of is Cisco Munner going to be, is he going to be too much out of his depth in the Premier League? And I think the long and short of it is yes. I see loads of people saying, well, you know, it might not have been that bad keeping Cisco, but I think deep down everyone knows if we'd have kept Cisco for the whole season, um, I think we'd have finished on less points. I I, I genuinely think that. I, I, yeah. I think with the whole Cisco situation, I, I, I agree with people who are saying that we should have got rid of him maybe in the summer or if we kept him, we would have still got relegated. And I do agree with all those people, but I feel like if we did have him still at the club and we got relegated under Cisco, at least there'll be a connection between us and the manager where we've not had that with Claudio Ranieri, we've not had that with Roy Hodgson. And that's what we've lacked recently is the connection between the club and Cisco. He embraced Watford and loved Watford and we didn't see any of that from Roy Hodgson. I think he, he made maybe a nice quote when he had his last press conference at the weekend mm. but apart from that he's not said one nice thing about Watford supporters nothing about wanting to get to know the people behind the scenes and he's, he just seemed very poisonous um, Roy Hodgson and I'm glad to see the back of him aren't you Mike? Yeah it's it's been a disaster so the thing is as well what, what I think annoys me is when, when that appointment was coming round to being made you're looking at Roy Hodgson and you're thinking, he's a firefighter. He's someone, he's in your same box as um, Sam Allardyce. Um, I'm trying to think of others, but I can't off the top of my head. He's in that same grain, whereas before, he's gone, he's gone into clubs that have needed saving and he's done the job. Look, at West Brom, he took over West Brom in a similar position to what we were in at the same time. I think maybe more points than what we were actually on. Uh, no, less points than what we were on. And he led them to an 11th place finish. And generally speaking, everywhere he goes, he tends to do well and firefight. But for whatever reason, whether it's his age, whether it's football, catching up on his style of play, whatever it may be, it has just not worked. And it's a real shame as well, because obviously the return of Ray Lewinson, everyone was like, right, we've got Roy Hodgson, who is known for doing these sort of jobs, keeping teams up. And then we've got Ray Lewinson coming back, who knows the club inside out. He was here in our toughest, some of our toughest times. He got a team 
playing and kept us up in the championship that season back in 02. Um, he got us to the League Cup semi-final against Liverpool in 04. So, you know, someone that knows the club, we thought, right, this is it. This is the appointment. But for whatever reason, it's uh, it's not worked out for Roy. I, I read, a, I think he, he did an interview and he said if the right job was to come up, he, he'd be sent me to, uh, to go, like to take the job. He he won't manage again. No way. He, he's no. he's not well enough to to manage. Let let's let's put it that like that. Well, a friend of a podcast and Jacob Deacon, who's been on and actually been a guest on the show, it just came up with a comment saying, "Do you think Hodgson took the job for the right reason?" I'm sure he fancied a decent payout for the last six months. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying that. I, I, I think because he was in football for so long, he had the bug still and wanted to get back. And when the opportunity of coming back into a Premier League, I don't think he could turn that down. But also knowing about the history of Watford and maybe getting sacked early on and there would be a clause if Watford stayed up, he would have had a hefty payout as well. But I imagine getting him in for six months, he probably had a big wage as well, didn't he, Mike? Yeah, I'd imagine he'd have, he'd have been on a decent amount of money. He wouldn't have come out of retirement otherwise. He knows how the Pachos work as well. It's been well documented, obviously, his illustrious career. He's managed far and wide and he's managed at Udinese before. And, you know, it's it, it was well documented, his relationship with the Pachos back then. So, you know, he knows how they operate and he, he knows, you know, he knows them. So... Whilst, yes, there are loads of people that think that, I don't think that that was the sole reason. Yes, it would have been nice. He'd have been lured out of retirement by, by you know, someone saying, look, we, we want you in for this amount of time. We'll pay you this amount. And if you keep us up, we'll pay you this amount. Uh, if not, you're going to be on X amount uh, a week, a month. However the managers do it, I don't know. Um I genuinely think, like you said, Ben, he still had that little bit of fire in his belly. And he probably did think he can come into the club, give him the time that he got and turn it around. And I think the the lack of talent um, in the squad has probably highlighted how tough of a job he's had on his hands. Uh, I, I really think this has been one of our poorest Premier League sides. This, this team that we've had that last season loses to the team that got relegated in 1920 season. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's, there's no comparison. But, but at least that team showed fight. And we went down on the last game of the season where our team just completely just collapsed this season. The last yeah. Since the Norwich game, Norwich at home, just downhill, just down tools, I think. Um, and that 1920 season, like you said, Mike, but at least they was fighting. They picked up that home victory behind closed doors against Leicester City. Um, they picked up other points, I can't think of anything else that comes to the top of my head. Um, but it went downhill maybe at West Ham game where there's a glimmer of hope wasn't there. And we was like, we could go to um, the London stage and we can put on a performance and get three points and we can go ahead of West Ham and we'll be all right on the final day. But it just didn't work out like that. And I think we after that, we played Manchester City, wasn't it? And then after that, we went to the Emirates and we got relegated on the last game of the season. But even that game at the Emirates, Mike, they showed fight and we could have been like 1-0 up. I think Welbeck had a really good opportunity and we had really good chances and it weren't like we weren't afraid to play there and it was just quality at the end of the day overshone uh, over us really, didn't it? Yeah, well, we were 3-0 down, weren't we? And then we, we brought it back to 3-2. How many relegated or teams on the brink of relegation go 3-0 down on the last day when you need to win and actually 
keep trying to go. Like, um, assuming we're still talking about the Arsenal game, that is, uh, from that 2019-20 season. Um, yeah, like, how many how many teams needing a win go into their last game, go 3-0 down? It's very easy to think, oh, that's it now, sort of batting the hatches a little bit. But they, they kept going. And like you say, Welbeck had that chance where he led it through his legs and sort of back heel, flicked it or whatever they're called now in football. Uh, and Martinez scrambled across to make a brilliant save. I, I, if if it went down to the last game of the season for Watford, I, I, we wouldn't have seen that. I don't think. No way. Not at all. Um, Not until. Yeah. Yeah. No. And bringing it back to Roy Hodgson and the current crop, do you believe that Roy Hodgson is the worst manager that Watford's actually mm. had? Um, I'm just going to read out some stats from what he's had this season. Um, I thought he performed better at Watford, and I don't know why. I was probably naive at thinking that. But looking at his tenure at the club, he managed 18 matches at Watford, winning two, drawing three, losing 13. 13 matches in 18 games he lost. But I know our players wasn't great this season, but I imagine someone would have got a better tune out of them to perform maybe slightly better than that. Yeah, it, it don't make for good reading at all. And I um, do I think he's the worst in my lifetime. That there's there's a couple of candidates to be honest. Um, Gianluca Vialli springs to mind. Um, Walter Mazzari, but then again, Walter Mazzari kept us up. And I, I, I read in Troy's book that he he actually said that in terms of coaching and sort of that aspect, he was probably one of the best coaches he's worked for. His detail. And his his sort of everything else was was a bit frosty between him and Troy, but yeah, um, that record is shocking. I I probably is the worst manager in my lifetime of supporting Watford. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, he's probably statistically the worst Watford in my lifetime as well. The worst Watford manager in my lifetime as well, actually. Yeah, I, I would have him in the same bracket as Walter Mazzari, but I, he would edge it for me. Um, Walter Mazzari kept us in the Premier League. It wasn't pretty. Um, but on his day, his tactics were good and got Watford the points. Um, Roy Hodgson didn't see any of that at all. Um, people were like, saying maybe he would come in and shore up the defence. I think we saw two quick clean sheets, didn't we? After that, just shipping goals like we've done all season. Um, there was no structure. There was no shape to that um, back line. It was, it was embarrassing to watch. and Yeah, think- just embarrassing, mate. What speaks volumes for me this season, I was doing an interview before we um, we, we come on the, the podcast tonight um, and I was asked a question about you know, what went wrong and everything this season. And I think what, what stood out for me, the last time we went down in 2019-20 season, there were times where we'd pick up a result and I'd think, well, we can stay up, like we, we can do it. Not once this season did we pick up a result and I think, yeah, we can still stay up. Not once. I probably did say it at the time, or we can still stay up. Right? But that that's, you know, everyone's going to say that. But deep down, there was not one result this season that I thought, obviously later on in the season, towards the business end of the season, did I think, yeah, you know what, that result's brilliant. We can build on this and, and, and you know, stay up and have a better chance of staying up. Not once this season. And that speaks yeah. volumes of, of this team, really. 
Definitely. Um, I'm just going to say, I'm going to get to your point in a bit, Uncle Ron. I can, Ron I've, I've seen a couple of messages. I'm going to get to that in a bit. Um, Jacob Deacon says, Hodson is the worst by a, by a long way. Um, not just the poor results and performances, but the constant disrespect to the fan and the club. Um, so that's Jacob's take on it. And also Adam Tomlinson has said, only way we kept clean sheet was by having four central uh, midfielders. Um, and I think that was... Was that Burnley away where we had four central midfielders? I think Kushka was playing wide left, wasn't he? But it was tucking in like we saw it previously with what um, Javi Gracia was doing with Will Hughes um, mm-hmm. back in that flat four four two, wasn't it? So, it, and if it carried on like that, I wouldn't mind that. We even went away to West Ham. We put in a really good shift, and then it was the deflected goal that went in. But apart from that, it, it was nice and solid as well. And I think after that West Ham game. It just went tits up, really. I think after West Ham, wasn't it Norwich at home? Uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, there we go yeah. then. And that's when the season went downhill. Um, so, yeah, just going back to Uncle Ron's question, Mike. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the meddling owner, Gino Pozzo, responsible for his... Um, uh, Gino Pozzo, responsible for his, this disgrace of a season um, and continuous silence? Yeah, um, I mean... Uh, again, in this interview, I was asked about the Pozzos and they're, they're, they're getting a lot of stick on social media, a lot of stick. And first things first, I'm going to come out with a boring generic answer that Uncle Ron and many others probably aren't going to like. But this is just the start of my answer. Um, I do, you know, have a lot of respect for the Pozzos purely because of what they've done for this football club. So that's that bit out of the way before people start rolling their eyes and coming at me in the uh, the, the comments. Obviously, the appointment of Roy Hodgson, he obviously thought at the time, you know, he's worked with him before. He obviously thought he could trust him. He thought, look at the jobs that he's done previously, and it's not turned out well whatsoever. I hope that he has learned from this. The appointment of Rob Edwards would say that he has. Um, I don't think there was ever going to be a time where they were going to sack Roy Hodgson because we were already on three managers when we brought him in. So I don't think even the Pozzos would have been crazy enough to sack him and get a fourth one in that season because I think at the stage of when we started questioning Roy, you know, it it would have been too late to do anything, in my opinion. Um, And I think as well, one thing which I will say I am disappointed with the Pozzos recently um, is that the, the transfers and they've not been good enough. Look at the 1920 season, the, the transfers we made then um, wasn't good enough to keep us in the league. We had to come back and, you know, in the Premier League this time around and make the correct signings. I saw a list on a Twitter account the other day of our signings. I think Dennis, Dennis and Loser are probably the best two signings we've made this season. But other than that, they've been hitting hopes and hoping that we can get players on a cheap and, I've just saw someone down there on the comments saying Mogi Bayat, you know, that I, I can't sound completely au okay with, with with everything that he's done. I know there's a court case going on with one of his clients. I think it might be, is it Kamara? Okay. There's multiple court cases. Well, yeah, um, there, there's one with one of our players at the moment, but it was a transfer before he joins the team that we bought him from. I don't know who it is off the top of my head, I'm sure. Is it Ubi 
Um, I'm not sure who it is. I'm sure someone in the comments will, will, will tell me. So obviously that's concerning. I've not fully read into what it, what it's about, but that is concerning. So hopefully <laughs> these fan committee meetings can come back and, you know, that someone can raise that. Uh, you know, we, we still not heard anything about the, the, the initial grumbles from the fan committee meetings. So whether they're going to be more inclusive or whether more people are going to represent, I don't know. But Mogi Bayat, I'm sure, is is a question on everyone's list. But yeah, um, obviously, he, he, I think Uncle Ron's just put there, Pozzo fired Hodgson at Udinese. But you've got to remember that that was a long time ago. I think he was Udinese manager at early 2000s. Since, and, you know, he, he's entitled to his opinion, Uncle Ronnie's, but since he has gone and done jobs where he's kept teams in the league, like I say, West Brom, Fulham. He's done good jobs at, at teams. And don't forget, we weren't bringing him in to stabilise us for the future. We were bringing him in to keep us up. We were never going to keep him for next season. Even if he kept us up, we wouldn't have kept him. Deep down, I think everyone knows that. So I, I think ultimately the disappointment with the Pozzos from my perspective is of the transfers. And, and I, I said earlier in, in this interview I did that I don't mind the Pozzos being in charge but we need a majority investor. We need someone like West Ham has done. We need something like Southampton has done. Someone that will be able to put their hands in the pocket and compete with the Premier League funds. So we've we've not got that at the moment. We and it, it's it's frustrating. We like we might go back up next season. My, my thoughts on that. I don't think we will, but we'll get onto that later. If we do. We're not going to have the money to... You have to be spending millions and millions of pounds to even stay up nowadays. So it's... They need a majority investor, in my opinion. Uh, so that's the long and short of the answer, Uncle Ron. So I'm sure he might have uh, a few more comments, which absolutely fine. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But that's my stance on, on the Pozzos and, and the Hodgson decision. Um, that, that That's where I lie on it anyway. Yeah, well... I agree with you, um, with, as in, I've liked what the Pozzos have been, uh, what they've done for the football club. I think they've done a great job bar the pandemic. Um, well, the pandemic, that was brilliant towards the NHS staff. I, I must bring that up. Um, but the whole championship season, um, this season in particular, we didn't invest in key areas where we needed to. Um, uh, I see a lot of people talking about Scott Duxbury out, Gino Pozzo out, and Scott Duxbury saying in the committee, saying, I make all the decisions here. I strongly believe that Scott Duxbury was protecting Gino Pozzo's with those comments. Um, Scott Duxbury doesn't make the decisions at the club. He is hired by Gino Pozzo. So in my eyes, Gino Pozzo's makes the decision because everything he, he would sign everything off in my eyes. Yes, he is he, the owner of the football club, but Scott Duxbury would have conversations with Gino Pozzo's and Gino's got an office at the training ground, so he oversees everything. So I don't like the radio silence from Gino Pozzo. All Watford fans would want is a statement from him, just like Scott Duxbury's done on a Friday night before home games saying what's happened in like the last couple of weeks. We don't want that regularly from Gino Pozzo. We would just want it just now. We, we we need to be addressed. We need to know what's going on with our football club. And we haven't had that ever from Gino Pozzo. 
I appreciate that Scott Dutchery is coming out and making these comments, but how many times has he came out and said these comments? How many times has he promised us stuff and failed to deliver? Now, he's, he's given Watford fans ammunition for next season now because he's came out in these committee meetings. He's promised bits and pieces. If, if these things don't go to plan like Scott Duxbury hopes, Watford fans got ammunition to ask for Duxbury to leave, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I've I just seen a comment from, from Uncle Ron, you know, disagreeing with me, but agreeing with you, and that's absolutely fine. I'll say he's entitled to his opinion, but um, I think he said Bassini left a debt of £8 million and Watford and I ran £150 million in debt. I mean, I... I <laughs> Like I say, everyone's got their own opinion, but to to, to compare them would be would be ridiculous in, in my eyes. I, I think what the Pozzos have done compared to what Bassini did, uh, it, it's a lot different, and the football's moved on now. So, we, you know, I I, I think someone's just put there as well. I'm sure I heard somewhere that Duxbury expects us to go up as champions. I think they have to say stuff like that. You, you're not going to get an owner that, especially as yeah. a team. Sam Yuko tweeted that because he, yeah. he was in like the in a hospitality area for the last home game of the season and he saw Duxbury and Duxbury said that Rob Elliott is here to not just take us up but to win the league. Yeah, and and like even know, comments like that, like even if he strongly believes that, I wouldn't tell that information to fans because now everyone's like, Well, if we don't win the league <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, I, I think he's he's got to say that. Look, the last two times we've been promoted from the championship, we've had to settle for second. Like, second has been crap. Me and you were at the Vicarage Road that season under Jukanovic, and we, we, we bottled it in the last minute. And we were oh, halfway down. Whenever we were waiting to get on the pitch. Yeah, look, been, we were halfway down the steps. The full-time whistle blew, and we was like, oh, we'll go on the pitch. But, like, it don't feel the same. And ultimately, you know, we had, we had a good you know, drinking the, the, the town centre afterwards, but it, it takes a shine off it. So I'm not surprised that the owners are wanting to target champions. We we have to. Uh, I know we're going to be discussing it a little bit later on, but I think it's going to be tough work because I saw a graphic of the uh, the logos of all the teams in the championship next season. And uh, crikey, it's going to be interesting for sure. But yeah, um, I, I think Jacob's comment that's just come in there. I, Gino Pozzo to talk to the fans. I'd welcome a fans forum with open arms as long as he, you know, something comes of it. You know, not everyone going in there just throwing abuse at the potsos. Yes, questions need to be asked and, you know, harsh questions will be asked. But as long as it's not ridiculous and it doesn't get too out of hand um, in terms of the abuse to the potsos, as long as people ask questions which everyone wants to know, then I think, yeah, that will work. And, who knows? You know, they, they might have seen all the feedback from the, uh, the the committee meeting and everything else, and they might have a different plan up their sleeve. But something has to change with the Pozzos. As you say, Ben, that, that from that fans committee meeting, that communication come out and the Pozzos and Scott Duxbury, they've, they've acknowledged that they have to do things differently. They've done the first thing, which they said. They've got a young British manager in. Let's see if they stick with it. He's going to have a bad run at some stage. That is going to happen. He's just come up from League Two. That's quite a big jump. It was his first managerial position, um, albeit he won League Two. He will have a bad run. He might go a month without winning. He, he might go four, you know, five or six without winning. But we have to stick by him. This has to be a project. So yeah. let, this let's, is where yeah. not just the club needs to be patient with him and 
given time. The, f- the whole fan base need to be patient. We we can't jump on his back after a couple of bad results. If we go three, four, five games without a victory, let's not jump on his back. Let's just give him the time and support. I think if what the fans can see, his philosophy coming across to the players and we can see a style of play, we'll know something's working and we'll be like, right, OK, at least we can see something happening on the pitch. Whereas this season, there's no identity from Watford. And and that's what's really bugged me this season. Normally, there's a bit of an identity with Watford. None whatsoever this season. Um, but yeah, let's move away from this um, stuff. Um, I want to talk about a man who's just played his last game for Watford. Um, Mr. Ben Foster, his career's came to an end at Watford. Um, his contract's up. Ben has made 207 appearances for Watford, made 54 clean sheets over two spells at the club. How would you sum up Ben Foster's time at the club overall, over the two spells? Would you put him down as a maybe a Watford legend? I know, I know a lot of people are very anti-Ben Foster um, for what's happened this season. Um, but overall, as as a servant for the football club? Yeah, I'd say he's, he's two spells with the club. He's, he's, he's been, OK, recently he's maybe not been as good. But let's not forget, he's 38 years old. He's, he's getting on. He, he's not going to be, his reflexes aren't going to be what they were 20 years ago or however many years ago it was. So, you know, yeah, things are going to, things are going to decline. So, yeah, I, I, I will put him in the legendary category 100% because, you know, his first spell with the club when he was on loan, he was tremendous. You know, he was brilliant and, the, the this second spell he's come back and he, he's a bit bit more of a seasoned pro and it's he, he was brilliant it, when he first joined the club um you know some of the saves we've seen him make we put a tweet out when it was announced he was leaving asking for people's best saves and whilst yes there was a few that were the same answers it was gen- generally quite a widespread you know comments back of this save against Wolves the save against Sheffield United it was you know, there's so many good saves and so many times he's kept us in matches and, you know, that 2018-19 season, the FA Cup final, yes, he wasn't the cup goalkeeper, but in the yeah, league, what he, the was, he was disappointed with that. I know we had a, a good connection with Heredio Gomez as well, but going into that FA Cup final against Manchester City, you wanted your stronger keeper, didn't you? And you really felt for Ben Foster that he, he was going to miss out on that. And I would have preferred Ben Foster to be in a sticks that game. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. I think Gomez, you know, Gomez is is a uh, is a lovable character, isn't he? So I, th- I think it was the right decision to stick with him. Um, I, I think no matter who was in goal in that final, I think we still would have got absolutely tonked. But um, especially with it being his his last year, or so we thought his last year, you know, I think it was it was something that we we, we had to sort of do. Uh, and I, I thought he played all right, you know. I thought he played well in the cups, Aurelio Gomez, and he, he, another great servant. I think it's his birthday today. The club put a tweet out and a montage of all his saves, and it was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, uh, I, I know Foster. Going back to Foster, he's got a lot of stick recently in his YouTube stuff. Personally, I like his YouTube stuff. Uh, probably should have thought a little bit more into his titles. I, I think a few in the comments have alluded to, you know, he, he's maybe not. The titles have alluded to him maybe not caring as much that we've lost. Um, I certainly don't think that he goes out on the pitch and thinks, I don't care if we win or lose today. 
Um, you know, I, I don't think he thinks that. He clearly loves the football club. Um, what he does next, what, whatever he does next, I'm sure it will be the same um, in terms of his YouTube antics. So he, he's what you've got to remember as well is, like I said, he's 38, 39. He's got to be thinking about what he's doing after football as well. Uh, yeah, you could you could argue that now is not the time in a relegation threatened team, um, but I don't think for one minute he stepped foot on that pitch this season and thought I don't care if we win or lose today, I'm just going to be thinking of a, a jazzy new YouTube title. And like I say, in lockdown it was brilliant. Now everyone seems to be having a problem with it, and um, I, I think he's been a fantastic servant to the club, uh, and I, I'm going to miss him because you know he's. Um, he, he he's been he's been brilliant on the whole. So yeah, well, it's it's clearly rattled a few fans this season, and I think his decision making away from the pitch has been poor, and it has let him down, and it has con he's kind of lost the faith of the Watford faithful. But overall, looking at his two spells and those two hundred and seven appearances for Watford. I really liked him. I thought it was a really likable character, um, really good shot stuffer. Do you remember when he first joined the club as well and everyone was moaning at him about his um, his kicking as well. His kicking was absolutely atrocious back then, his distribution, but it has got better over the years. Um, but this season as well, a few times when it comes to him, he, he, he's looked like that shadow of a player that we've seen he has been sometimes and his kicking return to what it was in the first season at Watford. But yeah, overall, I think he's been a great servant. He's, he's definitely up there in my top three Watford goalkeepers. You've got to remember, I am younger, so my top three goalkeepers are going to pretty be different to people who are older than me. Um, so he would probably go in... I'll ask you for your top three as well, Mike. But he, he's probably going to go into the, the category of Alec Chamberlain, Aurelio Gomez and Ben Foster for me as they would be my top three and I'd probably put Alec Chamberlain as top um, Ben Foster second and Gomez third um, what what would your top three be from players that you've, you've watched play for Watford as goalkeepers yeah I, I don't want to be boring but mine I had the same three uh, in the same order as well I think Alec Chamberlain <laughs> uh, I, I was with Chamberlain um, he, he was when I first started attending matches and he was brilliant and you know, it's it's clear to see what a good servant he was for the club. Um, ben Foster as well. Um, I, I sort of want to throw Almunia in, but on the whole, I, I think Horelio Gomez, because of how long he was with the club, he, he was he was superb. So, yeah, mine would be the same three. Um, sorry to be boring and, and agree, but yeah, <laughs> mine would be the same three without a shadow of a doubt. I think... Um, just to go away from the question as well, Jacob, our mates put in, you know, is it acceptable giving tickets to away fans in the Watford end? Absolutely not. Um, you know, that, that stuff got dealt with and it, it was right that it got dealt with and he got a, a telling off from the club. Completely agree with that because that Paddy Pimlet or whatever his name is, is a bit of a twat, to be honest. Um, so, and then him sitting with the opposition fans, there's loads of reasons why that could have been. Um, you know, that could be where the hospitality is. He could have got tickets to hospitality. You know, they might house the, um, you know, if, if people that are given tickets by players, a bit like friends, family, etc., they might be housed in that uh, area of the grounds. There, there's loads of circumstances which would have meant why he was sitting in the, with the opposition fans. Uh, and let's not forget as well that he'd already left the club by then. Uh, 
you know, he, he quite clearly put a message out after, um, I can't remember what game it was, the game before Chelsea, um, and it was evident that he wasn't going to play. I don't think he's, I think it said on the Watford Twitter that he had a elbow injury or something. He wasn't injured. He he, he just, he, he wasn't playing because he, you know, he'd left and whatnot. So I've, um, I've not got, as big as a problem with him sitting in the Chelsea ends because, like I say, it could be for any reason. I think sometimes people are just looking for any little thing to try and pick up them Foster. I think they 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 don't look back at this whole time at the club, uh, which I think is really unfair. That they've let the last sort of year or so sort of dictate his whole time at Watford, which I think is massively unfair. And like I said, you know. Um, Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I just think that it is very, very, uh, very harsh. Um, yeah, we've got a comment from um, John Palazzo, who's using his daughter's YouTube again. Thanks for joining again tonight, John. Hope you well. I think I saw you in the concourse at, um, in the Rookery the other d- um, day as well. I was like, you're all right, but I didn't know if you thought it was me or I wasn't 100% sure if it was you. So if it was you, please let me know in the comments and I'll stop and say hello next time. Um, but he comes up and says, I don't agree on Foster, neither do the majority of fans. Hence, he was voted number two by all the fans for player of the season. He, like most goalkeepers, made mistakes, but he has been—he has actually been still more in credit. Um, and then we've got another comment here from Joe Thomas as well. Um, actually saw him in the V bar the other week, but I was—he was with a big crowd of people, so I didn't come over and say hello. But I will do next time, Joe. Um, big shame how it's ended for Ben. I think didn't really say goodbye after the Leicester game either. Very raw for him this relegation. And then, like we say about the opinion of Ben Foster is completely split. Um, we've got a comment here as well, where if I lost it, from Big Nelly saying Foster became a circus on his day, a good keeper, but ultimately I'm glad he's gone. So I think it's a bit like Marmite with Ben Foster. I think you're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. But mm-hmm. the truth is that he's, um, his contract's up, so we're not going to have him in between the sticks next season. Um, so let's let's move on from Ben Foster chat now. Um and let's talk about other players who are possibly outgoing, Mike, because there's an awful lot. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but literally the last two weeks now, loads of players, different players, every single game being linked with moves away. And it surprised me a little bit because the way they've performed this season, I thought they might not attract much attention because they've underperformed in my eyes. But there is clubs interested in them. Um, mm. Obviously, the likes of Saar and Dennis are going to attract interest because how young they are and their potential. Um, but other players as well, which we'll go on to. But first, Ismail Saar, Mike, linked with a £28 million move away. Originally, it was Newcastle interested. Um, seen um, reports today saying Newcastle were no longer interested and they're looking at different players. Because um, I think Watford were maybe relying on Newcastle, especially with all their money behind them now, thinking, oh, Newcastle will give us some money for Saar. Um, but the teams that are interested in is Everton and Palace, the two teams that Watford fans don't really like. Um, so it, it looks very likely <coughs> that Saar's going to be playing for one of them next season. Mike, if you could choose one of them who you'd want him to play for, who would it be? <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I think get what we can for him and if we can make a profit, I mean, happy days and, and let that be that. He's He's been 
I think injuries haven't helped at all, but he's he's not he's been a shadow of the player he was. He he's been really poor. Um and yeah, I get what we can for him and, and just get him gone. I think if if you're gonna sell him to anyone, um probably I don't know who's more insufferable, Palace or Everton, because they're both Everton ran on the pitch for finishing sixteenth, so that tells you everything. Surely that's a point of deduction. Surely. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if he goes to Everton, I think he, he, he's going to struggle. His, his, um, his career might sort of dip a little bit. It'll be a massive sort of jump down to what the heights he was expected to go to. Let's not forget, this is the same Ishmael Asar, who his international team, Sadio Mane, was looking for flats for him in Liverpool in January, whenever it was. Um because they were that close from agreeing a deal. And now we're talking here about him going to Everton or Palace. Uh, I, I think if he's got any sense, he'll go to Palace, because under Vieira, they actually play some decent stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, but I think let's try and make as much money as on him as we can and reinvest that in, in the championship, because he's not going to stick around. So, yeah, um, real, real shame with how it would have ended. But, you know, if, when he does go, um, I'll, I'll thank him for his service at Watford because he has been superb uh, on his day. You know, a, a real, real good player. Uh, but I think now is the time for him to move on. Yeah, on his day, which has been very rare for Watford fans to see this season. I think the injury did really hit him. But even in that game, he missed missed two penalties, didn't he, against Manchester United? Yeah. Um, so. He wasn't having the best of games. I know he, he did end up getting on the score sheet at some point, didn't he, Mike? He, yeah, he scored and then he went up to the fans in the rookery room and saying, sorry, wasn't he? So, yeah, he did manage to get on the score sheet. But he, apart from maybe giving Target a really bad... Um, yeah. Giving him nightmares on the opening day of the season, he, he just didn't look the shadow of a player that he did in the previous Premier League campaign. I think he has really struggled to perform this season. Um, even in the championship, you kind of expected more from him. Yes, he did get double figures in goals, but we brought it up a few times on the podcast. He knows he's lightning quick, so I don't know why he doesn't use it to his advantage sometimes where he would knock the ball past the player and then just he would be through on goal. Um, he, he was too afraid to take on his man at times, and it's just disappointing to see when we could see his potential from the sideline, but I don't think he could fully believe his potential. Um, but Joe Thomas here has put up a comment saying, I think the way Saar has acted in the last couple of weeks and his attitude on the pitch since he came back from African Cup of Nations, I'd be glad to see him go. He's got a lot to learn. And we, we've got to remember, he's a young guy still, isn't he, Mike? I think, what is he, about 22, 23? He's got a lot of years ahead of him still. So I, I do wish him well if he moves on and it is likely that he's going to move on. But what price tag will you want for this, Mike? Um, Rumoured 28 million. Would you be happy with 28 million? I think Watford would do well to get 28 million after the season is put in this year. Yeah, um, John put a comment in just after anything 25 to 30 million. Take it and run. Uh, I also want to just point out as well, Jacob's just made a very good point, which uh, I forgot to mention. Let's not forget, this is the same Ishmael Asar that when we got relegated before, Liverpool were knocking on his door, big sign, could have gone, Champions League football, young lad, could have had his head turned, could have kicked up a fuss in training, could have not played as well in, in you know, matches. But to be fair to him, 
he said, no, I'm going to stay here and let's try and get us back up. He did just that. Uh, double figures for the season, 13 goals and four, four assists in the Championship. Uh, but unfortunately, as Jacob has said, he probably hasn't hit the heights that everyone was hoping for um, this season. So 25 to 30 million. I think we take that and and then reinvest it into the squad. That's the key point here. Reinvest it into the squad. Um, and we're going to get maybe... we're going to talk about that in a second as well. Um, John Parslow's just put in another comment saying Sartre and Jal Pedro have had nine coaches in three years, and not one of them have actually coached or developed them. Hence, a progressive coach like Edwards is so needed to coach these young players. Totally agree. Like, there's no point the Pozos or Scott Duxbury, Giretta scouting these younger players, if you're not going to get them in and develop them, you're just hoping that they perform on the pitch, but you're not actually working behind closed doors with them and, and putting all your tools in one box for them. Um, and I think this Rob Edwards appointment is brilliant for the football club. I think he's going to work wonders for like under 23s where Scott Duxbury said that they're going to get game time. A few of them are going to come up um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the likes of Humbai and Delhi Bestry coming back from loans as well. And I think he, they, them two particularly will benefit really well and Matty Pollock. Um, but yeah, Jal Pedro, Mike, he has to stay at this football club. I know if an offer comes in and the Pozzos can't refuse it, yes, he's going to probably move on. But he's one of the players that from this season you would want to stick around for next year, right? Oh, 100%. And look at how well he did last year as well in his first year, uh, in the first full season in English football. And he's thrown into one of the most physical leagues about, which is the championship, you know. Um, it's the old cliche, if you can do it away at Rotherham on a Tuesday night like we played them midweek, you, you can pretty much, you know, you, you're not going to get better preparing for, you know, the big worldwide football in, in England. So, and he's he's shown he's the only one this season that, when given a chance, he's shown like he wants to do something. He wants to drive forward. He wants to try. He cares. So yeah, you know, hope we do keep him. I, I was so gutted that he didn't reach double figures last season. He got nine goals. Uh, not aesthetically pleasing for me at all. Watching the player finish on nine goals, it always like to see that rounded number. So yeah, I um. I really do hope that we see him. And I hope we see him in a more advanced position because let's not forget when he played in the Championship, um, sometimes he would play out wide, he would play in the 10, he would play in midfield. So, you know, I um, I I really do, you know, hope that he sticks around because, as you say, Rob Edwards would be the perfect manager to learn under, likes to, you know, do well with the youth. He's, he's had roles at England in the youth teams as well, done it at Wolves. So, you know, he's got experience of working with youth players. So he, he might be the one to bring out the best in Jao Pedro. And I, I will still stick by the um, what I've said to people before. And it might be hard to believe this at the moment. But I do genuinely think that given the right coach, given the right progressing, everything else, Jao Pedro will become a better player than Richarlison. Uh, and the only reason I'm saying that is because we got them both from the same club, obviously, and they both played for us. But I genuinely think he can become a much better player than Richarlison. Uh, and and we could make a lot of money on him. Because let's not forget as well, the Pozzo's model is buying young players, you know, coaching them up and, you know, building them up and then selling them on for big fees and 
keep going and going and going. We got 50 million for Richarlison. We only had him for like two full seasons. So that 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 was just a snippet of what they do. So yeah, um, he has to stay for me. Um, but as you say, if the right offer comes in, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they entertain him. Um, and a comment from Harrison Allardyce. Um, I do hope we keep Cusho and Gel Pedro. I know they are linked away, but it would be such a shame. Would lose all our talents, and I, I agree it would be a shame. And that's one that has surprised me over the last couple of days. Mm. Um, reports from South America saying that Husho Hernandez is linked with a move away. Um, there's clubs interested in him and saying that he would welcome a move away from Watford this summer as well. I was hoping that it would be in the same bracket as Gel Pedro as being one of those players we'd have in a championship next season. I think, for what it's worth, I think he'd be an absolute monster in the championship. He could be the Troy Deeney-esque player that we, we, we loved in the championship. A real bully, a, a terrier, a uh, bit of pace, bit of strength as well, bullies, defenders. I think he could be that player in the championship. But at the same time, this doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Spain, to be honest. And he had some really good times out in Spain. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, if we can make decent enough money off it and then reinvest, I've seen Lou Orns on Twitter posting a few players who he thinks we should go for. And, you know, there's there's free agents out there and players in the last year of a contract who we could go and get on the cheap um, who actually are good enough and can progress his team, not just getting players on the cheap for the sake of not spending money, but that can actually do something. Um, Clark Harris from Peterborough, and Jao, um, not Jao Pedro, um, Luca Jao from Reading to name a few. So, but yeah, Chucho for me, I, I would love to see him stay, but it doesn't look like that's going to Well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, I don't think. Yeah, Jacob Deacon said, I'd like to have kept Chucho, but now he's, he's came out and said that I'd rather get rid. I just want players who want to be here. I agree. I just want players to who actually want to be here to play for the shirt. Um, we've not had that all season and we want that connection with Watford players again. Um, I think we've seen it with Hassan Kamara and I think that's why he's ended up winning the player of the season this year. Uh, I think his football ability is great, but I think I, what's really won it for him was that connection with the fan base when he came in and fans really took to him and he took to Watford fans and that really helped him. But it would be great to keep Hassan Kamara next season, especially when I've seen that um, Adam Messina, he kind of posted a goodbye on Instagram, didn't he, Mike? Um, has that taken you a little bit by surprise? I, I didn't really think that he he would maybe want to leave, but I've seen reports that maybe he wanted to head back to Italy. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Uh, I think he knows he's, he's, he's run his course at Watford. Um, my brother told me that he's also unfollowed Watford on Instagram as well, so that pretty much is set in stone. Supposedly he unfollowed Watford the day Watford got relegated. Oh, right, okay, I didn't know that. Uh, that's not great considering when did we get relegated officially? Was it um, was it the Burnley Palace, game? Palace away, Palace. So, you know, that was what three games ago, maybe three games since, too. So, that's not great, and I think he's played since as well. Um, but yeah, look, he he's he's not been good enough. He, he he's tried his best, and that that season in the championship last season, you could tell he actually cared and he tried. But all in all, he's he's not been good enough. But I noticed as well that um, Kamara. I saw on Twitter that West Ham are interested in Kamara as well. 
Um, yeah. So I'd be gutted if we lost him. But yeah, Messina's not been good enough overall. I think he knows that as well. And he, if he wants to go back to Italy, then I'll uh, I'll have a look on Ryanair because they've got some cheap flights at the moment. So I'll uh, I'll chip in <laughs> for him if he wants. Another player who's leaving Watford and has said his goodbyes on Instagram is Yurish Kushka. I think we all kind of expected him to go. He, yeah. he, he was on loan from Palmer. There was an, an option to extend that for a further year. Um, supposedly, his family all live abroad still, so they're not w- with him in the UK, so he, he is missing them and he wants to head away and he's got interests abroad from other clubs. So I wish him um, wealth back in Italy or wherever he goes. I, I do think... He is one of the only players in the last couple of months that has shown a bit of fight and passion on the pitch. And God, Mike, he would have been good at looting away last next season. <laughs> yeah, I, do you know what? I'd have had him as a squad player, not playing week in, week out, because it's a relentless league, the Championship. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. He's getting on a bit. I think he's 35. So before anyone bites their head off in the comments, I'm not saying keep him and playing every week, but those sort of players that you need in the Championship that have got experience, that, aren't afraid to get stuck in. And I think as well, what annoyed me about the Luton game is neither of them, even the one we won, didn't feel like a derby. Obviously, the the no fans would have had a massive effect on that. But in terms of the players didn't really seem to know what was at stake. And I think Euro Kushka just gets up for everything. You know, you always see saw him in the uh, training videos. It'd be snowing. He'd be there in his shorts. He was a real tough bastard. And not afraid to to get stuck in. So a player that we could have utilised very, very well uh, next season in the Championship, I think. But yeah, as you say, family over abroad. And obviously, if he's had offers from back home, then, you know, it's a no-brainer for him to take it. He's, he's not exactly, you know, if he can get one last big, decent contract to pay out, then I don't blame him. But yeah, um, thank him for his time. And uh, I just wish he ended up a little bit more of that player that we saw against Aston Villa. But yeah, you know, would have liked him next season, but I don't blame him for, for moving on. I think if he stuck around next season, he would have just been a squad player. I couldn't have seen him playing week in, week out, especially with the demands of a championship season. Uh, but we got a question from Jack on Twitter. We popped out people wanting to play, uh, say any questions and would read them out on the podcast. Uh, we got one from Jack earlier. He DM'd us. So cheers for your question, Jack. Um, whilst it's obvious there's a clear route is needed and already we're seeing lots of players moving on, do we run the risk of changing too much too quickly? It's clear we need the overhaul of the squad, but to me, it seems like a list of positions that we need to bring in is just growing and growing. For example, Messina off, if we lose Kamara too, that leaves possibly two left-backs to bring in, just seems excessive to him. Yeah, but at the same time, I think we need a clear out. We're going to expect a lot of ins and outs. It's inevitable. But I think next season is such a big season for everyone. And if we can get players in that are passionate and players that want to fight, I don't think it'll be too big of a risk. I really don't. This is why, excuse me, this is why we have to be careful with recruitment and, you know, make sure we pick the right players and not just sign players because they're cheap or, you know, they're, they're Mogi Bayat's age um, player or whatever. So, yeah, I understand where it's coming from. Too much change would, would be... Um, might be dangerous but I think it's what we need at the club it is that rotten at the moment I think we just need it so I think it will do more good than bad 
Um, I, I, I am expecting a few rocky times ahead next season, but that's to be expected when a, a team's transitioning so much. We, we're hopefully changing the direction in terms of the manager, a young British manager, uh, a young team, hopefully. We've got a lot of players out on loan last season who have done brilliant for their, their, you know, their, their loan clubs. And um, hopefully as well, you know, a new project at Watford as well. And, and Rome wasn't built in a day. So if it takes, if it means that we, we stay in the championship this next season and then come up again the season after and we're actually prepared, then so be it. Mm. Um, Joe Thomas says, got to keep Gosling in the summer. He looked decent in those last three games and has the experience in the championship. And I was saying this to someone earlier on Twitter, um, we was talking about Kushka and his passion and all that. And then we got onto the subject of Tom Cleverley. And I said, I would have um, Dan Gosling over Tom Cleverley next season. I know Mike's a massive Tom Cleverley fan, so it'd be interesting to know his opinion on this. But for me, Gosling is ahead of Tom Cleverley in that pecking order now. Um, I'm not sure I'd have Gosling to start week in, week out, but he would be a definitely a really important squad player next season. And I think that the, the leadership and experience of um, Dan Gosling would be vital for the championship. Mike, what, bit, what's your take? Uh, yeah, sorry. I feel a bit sorry for him. You know, he was frozen out of the Premier League registered squad. And then um, I can't remember why he was re-included. Was it injuries or um, transfers? was why he was re-included. So we, we brought him back in. And then the last few games, because of injuries and players not being asked to play and these fake injuries like Dennis has got and everyone else that wants to leave, Josh King has got whatever. Um, because of that, he's had to come back in. So we've sort of said, oh, we don't need you. And then later on, we're like, oh, actually, mate, do you mind filling in for the last few games? <laughs> like, it's a bit... It, that I, I, awkward conversation. No, you know we messed up, but would you come back and help us out? Exactly. And I feel well, like, if Dan Gosling was to turn around and say to us next season, nah, sodgers, like, you, you froze me out for how long and then brought me back in because you needed players, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, I'd be gutted, but I wouldn't complain. He'd, he'd be well within his right to say that and kick up a fuss. But I agree that he has to be in and around the squad next season. I'm not saying starting week in, week out, because, you know, that again, the championship. I'll say it again: the championship is a ruthless and relentless season. It will be hard on his legs. Um, I do agree with you that he is ahead of Tom Cleverley in the pecking order. Uh, Cleverley's legs aren't what they used to be. You know, we how many times on this podcast last season did we, you know, praise Cleverley for his constant closing down, his constant energy of showing he wants the ball every time. I don't think we get that from him next season because he's getting on. But we have to keep these sort of players in and around the club because of their experience in the division. You know, you look at the season that we come up before, we brought Ben Watson in. He didn't play week in, week out. I don't think he played a, a, a decent amount of games, but he was brought in because of the experience he's got in the league. Matt Connolly, he was brought in because of the experience he's got in the league. Sebastian Basong, he had a good loan spell with us. So we need players that have done it in the league because otherwise we're stuck. We really are stuck. So, yeah, I would keep Gosling 100%. And yes, he is ahead of Cleverley. Uh, but keep Cleverley in there for the, you know, um, because of the experience. And, you know, he might get a the odd Tuesday game or if legs are tired. He might start, or he, he might come off the bench. He might be a bit part player off the bench, 
just something to give the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I think Gosling is 100% someone we need to, to keep hold on. Yeah, if Cleverly does stick around, he he is in his he would be in his final year of his contract, so it would be only one more season of Tom Cleverly. But for me, I think possibly one more year of Tom Cleverly could maybe be a bit too much for Watford. I do think there's I'd rather Tom Delhi Bashru get game time ahead of Tom Cleverly. If I'm totally honest, I think we need to give these opportunities to youngsters now that are hungry and they've got a bit more ability. And Tom Cleverly just looks a bit off the pace. So, I don't think there's room for Goslin and Tom Cleverley. Um, so if I, if I were to pick one, it would probably be Dan Goslin. But Mike, now you've mentioned the championship, we'll just talk about it very quickly because I know time's getting on a little bit. Um, no surprise, really. You're back on and we're, we're short of time. Um, you do like to go on a little bit. <laughs> um, I know, I'm starving yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap it up quickly then. So no, no, just no. before I start, it would be interesting for everyone who's watching now. I can see there's quite a few watching. Give me your predictions of where Watford's going to finish next season because um, it'd be interesting to know what you're all thinking. And then this will, um, you can see where me and Mike's going with this. Mike, next season, a lot of Watford fans think it's going to maybe be easy to bounce back up or think that it's all right, we're Watford, we, we can get back up there. Uh, me personally, I think Watford are going to struggle. And if we finish, in the playoffs, I'll be delighted because I think that would be a good good return for next season. But even if we finish just outside of the playoffs, I think I'll maybe take that as well. If we finish like seventh or eighth, because I think one season to bounce back, I think Watford need longer in a championship to get things right. I think bouncing back at the first attempt would be wrong for Watford. I think we need two seasons in the championship to get our, to get everything right when we do eventually come back up if we do come up um, like I'm going to say playoffs would be brilliant but I think Watford will finish 7th, 8th next season what do you think Mike? Yeah I I think to put a ballpark figure on it I think we'll maybe finish top 10 uh, I'll say 10th or 9th or 10th I'll say um, it is a rebuild it's the start of a new era as somebody said in the comments not long ago um, if we get playoffs, brilliant. We won't be competing for top two. We've, we've just brought in a manager who's jumped up from League Two to the Championship. He has to be given time. Look, if he gets us into the playoffs and gets us into the top two, then fantastic. But the the low, the the bottom line is, if we do go back up, we have to make sure we do not repeat the same mistakes with the uh, recruitment and everything else for, um, next season, well, the season after. So I think you know, a season of transition is what we need and, uh, or is what we'll have, sorry. And I think 10th will be where we'll finish. And if we can fight for playoffs, it'll make it an interesting season as a fan. Um, I'd be gutted to go out in the playoffs because I've always said the playoffs are brilliant to watch when your team's not involved. But my God, when your team's involved, it is nerve-wracking. I've, as a fan, I've been through... One, two, three, three lots of playoffs. The playoffs we won in 05, 06. The playoffs we... Um, the um, It might be... Yeah. The playoffs we lost the first season back in the championship, 07, 08, where we lost a whole like 6-1 on aggregate, was it? Or something ridiculous. Um, and then the playoffs in um, the, the Deeney goal. So, you know... 
I've, I've only seen us win the playoffs once and that was, um, yeah, the, the other two times were horrible. So, yeah, um, I think 10th next season, let us rebuild, let us, the team, gel, let Edwards's sort of philosophy and plan come into play and then let's hit it in 23-24 season. Is that the right season for the season after? I always get mixed up. I think it is, yeah. So yeah, 22, 23 seasons season. yeah. this coming season. And then let's hit it big time the season after. And let's really go for it. Because like I said earlier, I was looking at a graphic of the teams in the championship. It's going to be one tough league next season. Sunderland, my dark horse. Just putting it out. I know you didn't ask. But Alex Neal in that league. He's a knob, but he, he does well in that <laughs> league. So he I, knows I think, what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to throw in Chris Waldo at Middlesbrough as a wild horse yeah. as well. I think yeah. he, he's only just gone in this season. His second season, he knows the club better. He's going to get more players in that he wants for that football club. They did a right. They just missed out on the playoffs this season, so they're going to be my dark horse. And looking at all those teams in the championship as well, Mike, the big teams, and I'm actually excited for next season because. I think it's possibly very open next season when you look at all these teams. You've got the likes of Sunderland who have just came back up. Yes, they just came back up, but they're a dark horse. They're a massive football club and that will attract good players still. Um, you've got Sheffield United, you've got Middlesbrough, you've got Blackburn who's had a good season. I don't know why they've got rid of Tony Mowbray, if I'm totally honest. Mm-hmm. West Brom, you've got QPR, you've got Stoke, you've got Swansea City, you've got Cardiff City, you've got Norwich City throw Watford and Burnley in the mix. I think that's going to be a really good entertaining season and I, I can really see it being wide open next season and it's going to be tough. But it's really interesting to see what everyone's predictions are, actually. Um, Jacob was the first one in and said 12th, slap bang in the middle. Harrison Allardyce says, personally, I think we'll come like third playoffs. Um, Adam Thompson um, said 7th. Anthony Parsons says, I reckon fourth, losing the semi-finals of the playoffs. Um, Big Nelly says, mid-table next season. Joe Thomas says, between eighth and twelfth, we'll finish, and I'll be happy with that, um, with all the changes we'll see in the squad. Um, Harrison Allardyce says, I want to go to Wem- um, to the, I want to go to the playoffs, a day out of Wembley. Being a Watford fan for last year has been so tough. You you echo the words of every single Watford fan there, Harrison. A, a lovely day at what, uh, Wembley would be absolutely magnificent. Um, it, it's what we deserve after a shower of shit this season. Mm. Um, Big Nelly says, as long as we don't do a Sunderland, I'll be happy. Yeah, I don't want a Netflix series either. Um, George White, playoffs at best. Um, Big Nelly saying mid-table, um, a season of transition for next season. Um, Gary what? Iron said, I, f- I feel mid-table would be a good season, especially with Edwards still being our manager. Uh, Big Nelly says, let Edwards build a team. Um, and then <laughs> John Parzo, he's sorted out his signal, he's back. Uh, first, if we get recruitment right, playoffs for sure, as the league is poor. Um, Adam Tomlinson says we need to keep Zinkunagel. I think I saw something the other day, Mike, mm. that if Forrest do go up, they possibly might not want to take Zinc and Niga with them, uh, which worrying. would be interesting. And I would take that all day long because I think he's been brilliant for them and I think he's what we need next season. Yeah, I don't think they go up, by the way. Um, I think Huddersfield are being overlooked massively by media uh, and everyone else and they're a very organised team. Not to talk about that game because we're not here to, but 
yeah, for the record, I don't think they go up. So that is a little bit worrying if they do go in for Zinc and Argo next season, if they stay down. But as Ant just said, I was going to say, there's a lot of Northern games next season. I'm buzzing about that. Uh, obviously, easy to get to from Nottingham or Lincoln, wherever I am. Um, so, yeah, bring on the Northern games. Did you, did you see um, Norwich's closest game next season that they have to travel to is Luton? <laughs> Oh wow, Jesus! That's uh, uh, the yeah. second tier podcast put out the other day, and I, I, I was like, "Wow, you got to feel sorry for Norwich fans anyway." But for your closest one to be Luton, unlucky guys. Um, James says that he reckons we'll finish seventh. Um, Michael Forbes says top ten. Um, Jacob Deacon says for Green Man again. Oh, love the Green Man and Wembley oh, Cup yeah. final day. Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, Mike, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, I've really enjoyed doing that podcast, mate. It's been a while since we've both been back on. Uh, for people who don't know and are probably new to the podcast and only been watching for the last couple of weeks, me and Mike started this all up about two and a half years ago during lockdown. Um, so if it wasn't for all Mike's hard work behind the scenes, there probably wouldn't be a Voices of Vic. Um, so this is Mike. He's, he's the founder of Voices of Vic and he's looking to come back on more regularly next season. Um, he's um, he was managing a Saturday football team in Birmingham, but he's um, stepping back from those duties for next season. So he would be available to watch more Watford games potentially, or attend more Watford games. So he's looking to come back onto the pod more regularly, which is brilliant. Um, but we we are still looking to get more people involved in the podcast. It would be probably me and Mike, and then getting on other people who's helped out this season. Like we've had Jacob Deacon on, who's been a guest this evening um, with his comments. We'll probably get more of um, Frankie Holiday back on as well. Wendover Horn, Greg, um, um, Katie as well, um, Tom from Golden Pages, and anyone else. If you want to get involved, just drop us a message. This is this is your platform to get your voices heard and get you on the voices of Vic. This is your podcast as much as mine and Mike. So c- come over and help us out next season, and um, it'll be great to get you all involved. But yeah. We will probably wrap it up there. We will be back um, probably during the summer at some point. I imagine, Mike, if there's some transfer deals going on, if Watford have sold a couple of players or we brought in some players, we'll probably get back and chat about that. Um, Also, we do want to start doing what we have done in previous seasons, again, opposition fans on here um, for previews. Maybe that will be a midweek thing where maybe Mike would do it on his own or I do it on my own or we do it together and we interview people about who we're coming up against this week. Um, so we do want to bring more content for you guys. So we are looking forward to that and there will be more plans for that next season. So um, hopefully next season will be better. It can't be any worse, can it? Come on, it's yeah, been so don't say that. <laughs> um, but fingers crossed, next season's our year to get things right. And we will be back in the summer to chat to you. Uh, Stay safe, everyone. And come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.